This is Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. It's Monday, and you're probably used to the AI Success Factors series, which started sometime last month, where every Monday we cover the factors that led to the success of an individual enterprise AI project. But today is different. Today is the start of a five-day series. Every weekday this week, we are covering one topic, and that is How do we get ROI from early AI projects? Many of our listeners, whether it's consultants who are guiding enterprises or whether it's internal enterprise leaders, are looking to pick early projects, and they are, understandably, a little bit nervous about being able to find something that's actually going to see its way through to deployment, something they'll be able to be proud of when it comes to their career, their performance for their boss, their performance for their role. So we wanted to interview a diverse set of experts from companies large and small about what it takes to pick early AI projects that have the highest chance of a return on investment. The value proposition of the show here is where non-technical leaders go to stay ahead of the AI curve. That is the AI and Business Podcast, and that is definitely the focus of this series. We're not going to talk about writing Python. We're going to talk about strategic decisions. We're going to talk about looking at pros and cons, and we're going to get those perspectives from some of the best and brightest in the world when it comes to AI ROI. Our first guest certainly fits that bill. Gopalan Opaliapan is the head of the AI Center of Excellence for Intel Corporation. Intel, as many of you are aware, is an $80 billion AI hardware giant, certainly one of the movers and shakers in the global AI ecosystem. And as the head of the center of excellence, Gopalan has to determine the kind of processes that the company should put in place to decide on projects and to manage projects. One of the reasons our listeners are a little nervous about early AI projects is because of how many variables there are. Uh, But in this episode, Gopalan does a great job of two things. Number one, how can you structure project selection in a way that's purpose-built to find ROI? And how do you structure AI project management when we're early starting off with kind of pilot projects in a way, again, that is purpose-built to drive towards ROI? That's exactly what we touch on. It is very much an episode in framework thinking, and we are glad to have such a smart AI leader from a globally prominent firm as episode one in this series. We have excellent leaders coming up, one from a $50 billion-plus insurance company who's the head of AI there. We're talking to someone else at Oracle Corporation. We've got some exciting startup voices in here, too. We're going to be starting off here with Gopalan. Two quick points to note as we head into the episode. Number one, as we're running this series on AI ROI, we have a report called the AI ROI in Action Report. This is normally only accessible for Emerge Plus members. We are making it free. Literally just enter your email address, sign up for the newsletter, and you can download the AI ROI in Action Report. This report is specifically about predicting the costs and returns of AI projects and how to communicate those returns and costs to leadership in a way that sets the right expectations. It's a powerful, brief report. Again, previously only available to Emerge Plus members. Now you can get it for free. It's emerj.com slash r and then the number five. emerj.com slash r5. That's r like ROI and then just the number five. If you stick around to the end of this episode, I'll talk a little bit more about what we're doing for new Emerge Plus members uh, during this special launch week for this AI ROI series. But without further ado, for right now, let's fly into what I consider to be an excellent episode. I was impressed. I hope you are too. This is Gopalan, the head of the AI Center of Excellence at Intel here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Gopalan. Glad to be able to have you back with us here on the show. I want to be able to dive into the topic of AI ROI. You're heading up some big projects over there at a very big company. When you're deciding on initiatives, there's so much at stake, money, time, 
teams, sometimes resources. You guys are in hardware, so that's a big deal. How do you like to think about measuring the ROI, engaging it to make the right project decisions? What's your process? Sure. Thanks, Dan, uh, for giving me the opportunity to participate in this podcast. So there are some commonalities between IT projects and AI projects, and there are also some unique challenges and issues in yes. AI projects. So when we embarked on this journey on assessing the value of our uh, AI projects, what we looked at was what are the transferable skills that we can bring after having run AI projects, right? So the, that is the first thing that we looked at. And the second is what are the unique challenges that AI has, you know, especially the, the intense experimental nature of uh, uh, the AI work, especially in the initial stages. There is a business problem and we have an initial hunch that it can be solved using AI techniques. So there is an intense experimentation that happens in this uh, initial stage of the funnel, as I call it. And we need to time box it because end of the day, you know, you can't perpetually do experiments. So what we have done here is um, we have developed an internal framework on how diligently we can structure this project through the various phases so that we clearly know when to pause an idea or a project and when to pursue a project you know so we have essentially come up with the set of what the, you know in classical it terms we call them as stage gate reviews right um, uh, so typically if you look at an ai proposal or a business case first is a fantastic business opportunity which everybody thinks that you know it can be solved using ai then what happens is the data scientists engage with this uh, business unit to thoroughly understand the data landscape of the particular business opportunity. And the second is we specifically look at what will be the value they get. So that's where you know the ROI question comes. So you know, if I look at uh, uh, some of the projects that we have worked on, what we do is uh, a very a diligent approach, which is we typically request the finance analyst of the business unit to you know, participate in these discussions to make an analysis Great. so that they, you know, as a consuming business unit, they are super clear on the value they are going to get. Because uh, we, from an AI center of excellence perspective, we may not be fully understanding the business nitty gritties of their business and uh, the value that the engineers think that this solution can bring. Yeah. So what we do is we bring the finance analysts from their team to do an evaluation. Historically, this we have done even an, a, a simple NPV approach. You know, a simple NPV approach to say that hey, what is the cost involved in uh, running this program and getting this out into production, and what will be the value it will generate over a period of say next three to four years, which we consider as the effective life of a project. Right? Sure. One is the, uh, this is a classical uh, you know ROI approach where yeah, let's do you it. crystallize yeah you know you crystallize the outcome to a dollar value. The second approach is. There are some uh, use cases where the dollar value or the ROI could be a second order effect or a third order effect, yeah. right? Uh, you know, so it's uh, you know we don't want to artificially run and then put some uh, dollar amount to it. Instead, we uh, kind of ask, say, so if I uh, I'm taking a hypothetical situation here. So if I develop this uh, particular algorithm for you. Tell me what will be the improvement you will see in customer satisfaction. For example, if I am developing an algorithm for sales and marketing, right, which is essentially you know looking at improving the our you know engagement score or improving our customer satisfaction, so say from returns that are coming, how do we improve their satisfaction? 
here we look at a very tangible metric today what is the satisfaction levels of the customers how can we bump it up what is the aspirational goal that the business unit has got and uh, can we get there yeah so yeah this is a, not roi from financial terms but a very quantifiable metric a very quantifiable metric that we use to measure ourselves whether we are generating that value through this solution once it is put into production so what i want to say is roi in a financial terms is one aspect which we consider depending on a project and how easy it is for example engineering efficiencies can be very easily quantified because you know how many hours you are saving for example engineers productivity is improving because of the solution can easily you know it's a plain you know multiplication of bunch of numbers so you can get some dollar value out of it or for example if you look at intel's uh, product design processes they are heavily compute intensive you know massive workloads are put into our uh, 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 compute uh, infrastructure and figure out whether a particular soc design is it succeeding in this particular design stage or not you know whether the design is conforming to our test criteria so these are you know we uh, these are heavy compute intensive jobs by having prediction techniques uh, by having machine learning technique can you reduce the compute time needed to run these jobs again a very engineering approach right i can easily compute and then get some dollar value yeah so those are the ones where we say if it is easy and if it is something that resonates with the business go for the dollar term right yes if it is something going to be a stretch for them to imagine the dollar value yeah. we don't really pursue we look at a metric that is very close to them you know for example when we like i told you about the earlier engagement right if our customers are from sales and marketing and if it is an engagement which is essentially looking at improving the customer satisfaction we take that as a baseline and then we work towards improving it so that it resonates with the business right at the end of the day this is a you know i will pause here you know maybe yeah you know, oh man there's follow-up. so much to unpack so at emerge we have a lot of frameworks but one of them is around ai roi we think about it in terms of measurable roi which is almost always financial but sometimes it's you know sure. customer service scores or something but almost yeah, always financial yeah. strategic roi is this a project that is bringing us closer to a key initiative maybe we can't measure it with dollars but it's bringing us closer to a key initiative or closer to our transformation vision or is it a capability roi is it going to unlock a lot of future projects that yeah we don't know exactly what they are but it's inevitable and it's important that we level up all three of those are things that we should be able to move but of course the business side of the house really wants financial and so we've got to find some way to still connect the dots with them and you're doing a beautiful job of of talking about the real dynamics here where yes they want quantifiable but we've got to think about how to communicate in different ways i'd love to know if there's an example uh, that we could talk about in those instances where the immediate financial push button result just isn't quite as crisp and clear it's not it's more of a strategic or a capability roi but what you said about this which i like and i'd love to pick this apart is you take those things that aren't quite clear in terms of immediate financial and you find a way to tie it to maybe a metric or something that's close to the business heads cuz somebody who doesn't write code is probably who signs off on this thing right so you've got to connect those dots What's an example of that? What's a way you've pulled that off? So, yes, you know, uh, like you beautifully categorized, right? There are strategic engagements that we participate in. You know, it could be part of a bigger initiative uh, which eventually brings a, a huge benefit for uh, our corporation, right? So, here what we do is um, we take the immediate benefit that this particular engagement or the algorithm or the project will bring to the overall program so 
for example you know i cannot disclose much about uh, this bigger program that uh, we were part of essentially that is a huge roi project but the component that we were developing was one of the building blocks for this bigger program right so what we fundamentally came up as a metric to measure the success of this component alone which was a strategic building block for the bigger program was um, they were trying to abstract it in such a way that you know it doesn't really, you know sure, give you sure. all no the no problem no problem yeah yeah, yeah. so what we did here is there was a set of you know huge manual activities that were happening to uh, really do some kind of a, you know it's essentially you have set of allocations to be done and it is a fairly you know uh, hundreds of variables that you need to consider to do this allocation right uh, so the engineers were doing it in a very manual fashion and they knew that they are running out of <laughs> they are not in the optimal zone right because they were uh, fundamentally it is a, essentially the complexity was scaling up exponentially uh, so the human mind <laughs> cannot process to that level to give you some hint or glimpse about what i am talking about is the emerging complexity of our uh, you know some on chips right which are pretty you know becoming more and more complex we are integrating more and more ips so that's the you know broad trend that's happening in the industry so we are no way exception to it so this is one of the area where we said uh, an algorithmic approach will help them to rightly allocate the set of variables considering the various constraints that they have in their business situation right so the the way we evaluated is okay today there is a human level accuracy at which this operation is being done and if we employ an algorithmic approach what is the level of next level adjustments they will do for example in a manual process they were doing lot of iterations you know uh, to really arrive at the optimal optimality because um, there were constraints in which uh, you have to play you know you have to work with these variables and then uh, you know get fulfill those constraints also whereas uh, with a with an algorithmic approach we were able to achieve this in couple of iterations not even couple of iterations as the algorithm started learning from the data it was able to get it right at the first go right because it's an optimization problem at the end of the day so we employed uh, graph convolution neural nets and optimization techniques to achieve this uh, result and the best way we evaluated was okay if it is taking 2 to 3 weeks for engineers to solve this problem manually applying their intelligence what is the time it takes to do it took about few minutes because the algorithm takes this input variables which are hundreds and hundreds of variables and then you have the constraints that are defined by the engineers and you get an outcome boom in couple of minutes right so that is how we evaluated okay the engineers efficiency or the productivity that is happening here is from 3 weeks to 3 minutes you know that is the this is the best way we could quantify yeah, this yeah 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 and and man I, i can tell you from speaking to almost uh i mean it's like 900 interviews and almost unlimited number of ai vendors the people that selling ai solutions to the enterprise that coming up with the measurement of success what you just talked about with that project is never easy because there's always 500 ways we could measure something which is the best proxy which one can we actually move the needle on which one do stakeholders care about the most these exactly. are really really complicated things so uh in that case yeah you came up with one of those but i can imagine just how much work it was to figure out which of those to measure and track So the second question that I want to be able to fly into is around tracking our ROI and staying on top of our projects. So when you go into a project, some of them will be just be pure financial ROI measurements, it might just be some simple efficiency gain and automation of something. Many of them are going to have multiple components though. They're going to be part of a bigger program as a capability, maybe they're going to move towards a vision as a strategy, they're going to have an immediate financial ROI to which you might be accountable to, and you're 
two months into a project, you're six months into a project, somebody's got to check in on these things and make sure we're eventually going to land somewhere that, that the boss is happy about. Talk a little bit about how you think about doing that for the financial, sure, but also for the other kinds of ROI. Sure. So for both, there are two phases here, right? One is you can start measuring the ROI only when you put it into production. You know, only when you deploy an algorithm, you can start measuring the ROI. That is one phase of measuring the ROI, right? The other thing that we do is even when we develop the algorithm and, and even when we develop the project, how do you measure the progress such that you're very sure that you are going towards the target? You are, you know, marching towards the stated goals and objectives of the project, right? So what we do here is um, uh, a stage gate approach. So you have an AI idea that is coming in and then is the idea implementable using AI? That is the first step we look at. That is the first filter we apply. Some of the ideas could be simple automation techniques by which you can solve. Because I have a hammer, you know, I don't want to look for nails. No, so, no, no. You know, because I have the AI hammer, I don't want to solve every problem using AI. Right? So, in fact, uh, you know, when we engage with the business, it is it may sound very you know counterintuitive. The first and foremost question I ask them is, why AI? You know, why do we need to even do that's AI? that's the right question because you know how yeah. much money has been wasted just doing AI for its own sake. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it will turn out to be like a fancy science projects, right? Of course. So, so the first, unless the idea clears this filter that we have thoroughly evaluated alternate approaches like automation or business process changes, you know, that could even solve the problem. Or, you know, simple statistical techniques. Once this net is cleared, then only we look at the second thing is, is it a deterministic outcome or is it a probabilistic outcome that you are looking at? Uh, you know, then we can talk about it, right? Otherwise, if it is a deterministic outcome, I can write a bunch of rules. Program need not learn the rules, but it can, you know, you are explicitly codifying the rules. If it is a deterministic outcome, next filter, right? You don't really need an AI or a machine learning yeah. technique or a predictive technique to apply this. So idea, first thing is idea gets filtered by these various criteria and then moves into what is known as a, a use case. A use case here is a, a, is the one where we think, yes, we can experiment with various uh, algorithmic techniques to really see you know, whether a particular problem that can be solved using the algorithms, AI algorithms, classical or both classical and deep learning approaches, whichever it be based on the nature of the problem, right? Once we take an idea and filter it to a use case stage, then we you know, look at what algorithmic technique we can apply. Prior to that, we you know, fundamentally do some additional due diligence on data availability, business commitment. How much is the business committed to solving, solving this problem? I call you know, working in AI projects as a ballet dance, right? where both the business and the, and the data scientists have to be working together. Absolutely. You know? Yep, there's no way yeah. around it. Otherwise, you know, you're not going to see a, a, a smooth, harmonious outcome. It'll be only noise. So that's one important criteria, rather aspect we check is how many hours in a week you can commit for this project. Because, uh, you know, there's going to be a, a research scientist uh, who is going to work on this. But from business side, it's not just, you know, hey, I have defined the problem. I'll come and see you after three months, right? It's not going to work that way because it's a very dynamic and iterative process. And in every stage, there is a tight collaboration that is needed so that the problem well-defined is easily solvable. Uh, the more uh, opens or ambiguities you leave in the initial stages, you're going to run into more confusion and you know difference in expectations. Sorry, you ahead. 
Yeah, no, no, definitely. So, okay, so we're talking about you, you have your threshold of is AI even the right tool for the job, which absolutely should be should be one of them. Then there's the expectation of this kind of ballet dance. It's interesting that, and I'll sum this. I'll try to put a nutshell around this around the end of the interview. But you're you're talking about what I I hope some of our listeners are paying attention to, which is having decision making processes to get started on a project, to decide on a project, and to even yeah. measure a project. And that probably took you guys a little while to build. Of course, you're in the AI center of excellence, right? You run the center of excellence, so your job is to come up with these processes that we can then yeah. use. So of course, it is your full time job. But uh, any firm should have some level of this. So I just wanted to check in for the listeners on that. But by all means, keep keep going in terms of your your sure. ROI measurement. So, uh, so we, we we kind of uh, looked at the the funnel, right? Because uh, I call this as the AI funnel. You know, if you pursue ten ideas, you will eventually put two ideas in production. Yep. Eighty percent is the mortality rate, right? Which all yeah. of us know. Yeah. Uh, sorry, in COVID times, I'm talking about mortality rate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My yes. apologies. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this filter. By diligently following this uh, AI funnel approach, we have these checkpoints, you know, from ideas to use cases to proof of concept. Then, you know, once a use case matures where all these filters and the criteria are fulfilled, that business is committed, there is sufficient, uh, you know, label data that is available to explore this use case, then we do a proof of concept, right? Once we do a proof of concept, the first and foremost, uh, we uh, again, th there is another, you know, what I call is the next stage gate is, is it in alignment with business expectations? Are we seeing early signals in the algorithm, which is in alignment with the business? For example, if I'm way off in my accuracy expectations, even in my proof of concept, should I even pursue it? Or for example, the expected accuracy can be achieved only with uh, you know additional features or additional data and today if the business is not having it then what we do is hey let's pause here can you you know we will help you to instrument your business process such that you can collect these additional features so that the algorithm becomes robust after three months or four months once you have this data so that we can pursue from poc to the next stages from a proof of concept to the next stage so this is uh, these are this is the next filter we apply to ensure that the proof of concept goes into the next stage which is essentially a pilot after having fulfilled this criteria is it in alignment with the accuracy expectations of the business are there any additional features that we need so that the accuracy whatever um, um, business expectations they have we can accomplish it if not, we, you know, again, go back to the drawing board saying that let's go collect this additional information and then come back. So you can see the loop here, right? the iterative loop that is happening. If, for example, few, you know, few of this project qualify, even, you know, come out of the proof of concept, fulfilling the business expectations, as well as our, uh, you know, criteria in, in terms of availability of label data and availability of all the features that are needed to generate or create a robust model, then we do a very controlled pilot. You know, we call this as the New Zealand of our project, right? Where in a very, very controlled environment, before we do the cloud burst, we do the new, you know, we find out where is the New Zealand for this project. So that in a very controlled environment, we expose it to the users and then see, get their feedback very actively. 
how are they are they able to first and foremost trust the outcome of the algorithm are they able to trust it and are they you know willing to take business decisions based on the outcome of this algorithm you know we look for those factors because that's where the roi is otherwise you put an application uh, you know uh, we are happy that we deployed but do we know is it being even used so the usage metrics you know way again i'm not getting into the details of various usage sure, metrics sure. that you can come up with but usage metrics is a very key uh, factor that indicates the adoption rate of an algorithm right how for that the first and foremost is a trust because you are transitioning the users from a manual process or a process in which they were applying their judgment to come up with a decision now you are replacing with an algorithm so are they trusting the outcome are they willing to take a business decision based on the algorithmic recommendations right once we see that in the pilot then we look for a cloud burst otherwise we again go back to the drawing board and then see okay how can we improve that from the customers in this algorithm what are the factors that we need to additionally consider should we look at some explainability uh, you know in the ai algorithm so that they clearly know why the algorithm came with certain recommendations why the algorithm came up with the specific um, output so you know can we inject some explainability into the output yeah. or are there you know those are the factors we consider in the pilot stage before we do a cloud Got it. Yeah. And there's and there's so many of those. I mean, what affects adoption, right? Part of it could just be trust and they want to be able to see what what the factors are of this output or this decision. Some of it could have been getting ahead of that department to be part of building the project in the first place. So he's kind of telling his teams over the months in development, hey, we've got something great coming for you. Right? Socializing. If, if we've yeah. got, yeah, if we've got a, an advocate and a champion early on, there's there's that as a factor, which unfortunately we can't turn back time and get, but, but that's something we might do up front. There's the Sorry, interface I, itself. Yeah, actually, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah please. Actually, I forgot to tell you, I wanted to share this with you, which will be benefit, beneficial for the listeners, right? Yeah. This is something we do in the beginning of the project, you know, before we sign up or formally say that hey we will start exploring this first and foremost is we look at does it align with the kpis of the organization the big boss of the organization will he be the sponsor for this organization for this use case yeah so you know that is the biggest thing we look at because we may develop something which will be tangential or orthogonal to what the organization wants so whenever an idea comes the first thing we look at is of course the roi the second is is there a business sponsor who will support this project till deployment so that you know once it is deployed he becomes eventually the champion uh, he or she becomes the champion of this project to you know scale it to other business units to scale it to other user groups to scale it to other geos also so you know scaling happens in various ways so you know as you rightly said very important factor is alignment with organization kpis and having a business sponsor are extremely critical apart from the pure numbers that a, a project can generate through our one yeah so we're we're getting into just a general best practices of AI adoption here but when it comes to measuring ROI you might as well do the things that are going to make sure you get to deployment in the first place cuz otherwise what the heck are you going to measure so it's great that you're able to share that too and that's that's good i mean I'm, you know hearing it directly from you here one of the first things you look for is can we get whoever's you know leading this department or this area to really get behind this project because as you know, yes, if that is a no, it's going to be very hard to get everybody underneath them to uh, to get behind it. So, okay, cool. I'm going to put a, a little bit of a nutshell around some of the points you've brought up and see if, if there's anything you want to add as we wrap up the episode here. When it comes to the start of a project, you've talked about the financial ROI and occasionally the, the ROI that is not financial, which is still very important. And your approach, your approach is to both. And on the back end, you've also talked about kind of this these various stage gates of a project. And some of our listeners will be familiar with, you know, having 
an initial small test POC and then having some kind of an incubation period and then a little bit of exposure to users. Some people will be, be familiar with that. But I think the important thing that I'm picking up is that at these phases of deciding on a project and checking in on a project, you're going through some key preset questions to ensure that we're ready to go to the next stage. You're not- The you're filters not, and the criteria. Yeah, filters and criteria every single time. And and you guys are developed the process to have confidence in those decisions. So that's a big thing I'm taking away. Anything else you want our enterprise listeners to know when it comes to deciding on and then and then checking in on AI ROI from today's episode? Of course, finally, the uh, as I uh, spoke about, right? Very important upfront deciding with the business what will be the adoption metrics and the usage metrics, right? So this is something we where we hold both. The, the AI team as well as the business accountable, right? Because um, we typically look at what will be the deployment plan for this algorithm if we want to take it from a pilot to a scale, right? At a large scale, what will be the deployment plan? Uh, you know, will it be like one site per, per quarter or one geo per quarter or what is the deployment plan, you know, that they have in mind? So that we also at the in the back end or from an infrastructure point of view, we are ready to support such a scale initiative, you know, such a scaling effort. And also, you know, the ta- you know implicitly what is happening is the accountability from the business. How are they planning to even scale this algorithm so that eventually there is an increased adoption that is happening? So this is one criteria that we also bake it into our engagement so that uh, the business is super clear that they have a clear path to scale it once the, you know, once the, uh, once the proposal clears the proof of concept stage. Yeah, yeah. Again, these these kind of stage gating ways of thinking of and this process way of thinking through AI projects, I think is something that is super important for our folks to tune into. If you're listening right now, you might not have an AI center of excellence, but you're getting to benefit from one by the 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 good graces of a very, very smart guest. So Gopalan, thank you so much for being able to join us here on the program. This has been an awesome episode. Thank you very much. So that's all for episode one of this five-part series on achieving ROI for early AI projects. A huge thank you to Gopalan for being able to join us. We wanted to have big names to kick things off and somebody who'd really have a nice structured approach to the topic at hand. And Gopalan certainly delivered in a big way. Very grateful to have him with us. I mentioned at the start of this episode, we have a free PDF download, which is normally a resource only for Emerge Plus members. You can go to emerj.com slash r5. That's r like ROI and then the number five, emerj.com slash r5. R5 and download our AI ROI in action report from now until the end of next Monday. So that's midnight Pacific time next Monday, March 14th. You can also get our AI ROI cheat sheet report. These are our core frameworks for applying AI ROI and some of the best of insights we've learned with our podcast guests over the years. And for over a year, the report has sold on Emerge.com for over $300. We have hundreds of folks who've downloaded and read the report. But through the end of next Monday, March 14th, we are giving this report away for anybody who becomes an Emerge Plus member. Many of you who are listening in are already in Emerge Plus, and I thank you for being with us. If you are not already, Emerge Plus is our members-only platform where we share all of our best practice resources, that is, infographics and frameworks, as well as our full use case and white paper library. We have dozens of white papers across topics ranging 
everything from natural language processing applications to AI and finance to computer vision and beyond. And we have literally hundreds and hundreds of use cases with a special search interface that only Emerge Plus members have access to, where you can quickly find AI applications in your sector uh, and for the particular kind of applications you're looking for. So if your goal is to take AI insight and turn it into action, whether that's guiding enterprise projects, helping to identify AI projects, if more frameworks or more use cases at your fingertips is your goal, you might as well get this $300 AI ROI cheat sheet report for free. And you can get that by going to emerj.com slash R7. That's R as in Roger, and then the number seven, emerj.com slash R7. Again, that is going on for anybody who wants to join Emerge Plus. Again, if you just want to sign up for the newsletter, you can go to emerj.com slash R5. In either case, we wanted to do something special for this special series, and I want to end this episode on giving a big thank you to you for being with us. I hope we can keep you with us for this entire week. There's going to be a lot of tremendously strong insights. Our next episode is with the head of AI insurance at a $50 billion insurance company, and we're going to be talking about risk. Everybody can talk about risk hypothetically, but as it turns out, the insurance giants of the world who are starting to insure AI projects have to think about this in a much more careful fashion, and they have to take a lot of unique elements into consideration, and I wanted to be able to share that with you so you can better understand the potential downsides and balance them with the upsides of your AI projects as well. A very unique perspective unlike anything we've ever had, and that is tomorrow's episode. So be sure to tune in for this continued coverage on achieving ROI with early AI projects. Thank you again for being with us. I'll catch you tomorrow.